0: on today's episode of the nyu wagner review podcast series i talk with the founding members of the canna policy student group at nyu wagner we chat about founding the group the purpose of the group the broad political economic and legal implications of cannabis legalization what makes this movement historically unique in the context of other banned substances and how to approach the creation of a new and fair economy my main takeaway from this conversation is really the broad-reaching impact of this movement. We look at historical legal significance, literally people arrested, jailed, and communities damaged. There's the business case, this is a multi-hundred billion dollar industry after all. And the complexities, where are the precedents here? Are there any? Anyway, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Can a Policy?
1: Thank you for having us.
0: So, we are joined today by Michelle, Tosi, and Chris. Let's start by doing an introduction of what Canada Policy is. Um, so, I'll turn over to you guys. Um, if you could give us an introduction, catch us up, and let us know what you guys are working on here at NYU.
2: Okay, great. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Kyle, for having us on the Wagner Review podcast. Again, my name is Tosi Ajayi. I, Graduated from Wagner, actually, last year in 2019, and um, in my last semester, I founded this amazing club, NYU Policy. It was really created to provide NYU students with the tools, resources, and education necessary to responsibly advance cannabis legalization, rebuild communities harmed by prohibition, and positively impact the development of the nascent cannabis industry. Um, This club is actually the third club that was formed from a larger and broader NYU cannabis network, um, which is comprised of four different student groups that really make up this intersectional ecosystem of students all tackling this issue from different areas. So the first club that was created was Business out of the Stern Business School, then was Cannabis Law out of the Law School at NYU. Third was CANA Policy at Wagner School of Public Service. And fourth is just recently CANA Health was approved this semester out of Silver School of Social Work. So that's just a little bit about the network and CANA Policy. And now I have, um, you know, we have two amazing women on the founding board. I'm gonna let them speak a little bit more, and I know we'll talk more about it throughout the
1: podcast. Yeah, so I, I guess I can jump in. Uh, Again, my name is Michelle Smoller. Um, I am a part-time student going into my second year, and I'm a recent board member of Policy. I'm really excited that this club has gotten off the ground, and I think we all hope that it's going to be more than a club, but that we'll be able to really have an impact on, on our communities and the direction that legalization goes in New York State, as well as raise the issues of cannabis legalization and Um, The problems of cannabis criminalization that are not necessarily going to be solved through legalization and making sure that we push through uh, responsible, responsible policies. So one thing that's uh, been discussed recently, given the protests and the the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement, is that Cannabis justice is racial justice, and on its face, that may not make sense to a lot of people, but the long history of cannabis criminalization has disproportionately harmed marginalized communities and communities of color. They have been... Uh, imprisoned at much higher rates for uh, for cannabis consumption, even though people of different racial groups seem to consume cannabis at similar amounts. And even for really small kinds of cannabis use, just possession or, or smoking, uh, small amounts. And many of these people are still suffering from the impacts of having these criminal convictions. So people who have these criminal convictions may not be able to access housing. They may not be able to access education or health care. They will have issues with immigration. Um, and while we move forward uh, to, to bring cannabis legalization and to um, to create this this, build out this nascent industry, we really need to think about the the people who have been harmed by cannabis criminalization and make sure that they are not left out of this industry. And that as we accumulate wealth in this country through the legal sale of, of marijuana, that that money is invested back into these communities that have been um, decimated by over-policing and, and mass incarceration as a result of cannabis criminalization. So this is something that we're really passionate about, and we're, we're hoping that we can make sure that these kinds of policies get into any legalization package that that comes out, and and what what that means is uh, it's not just repairing harms and, and reinvesting, but it also means giving uh, the people that have been most affected uh, a stake in the industry, so that they can now benefit off of the the massive growth that's that's going to happen as more states legalize and more money is being poured into this.
3: Oh, sorry. I think to sort of build off on what like Tosi and Michelle were saying, um, I think we're at a really interesting point in New York where We know at some point cannabis like recreational use is going to be legalized. So the question is not if it's going to be legalized, but the way in which it is and sort of what's included in that legislation. Um, and I think that we've seen with states that have legalized recreational use of marijuana that the communities most harmed by the war on drugs have also not been able to reap the benefits from that. So we know that we're in some sort of like green boom where marijuana is like a multi-billion dollar industry in states where it's been legalized, but 81% of cannabis businesses are like white-owned, for instance. Um, And there's just a lot of barriers to getting involved in the industry. Um, You need the capital and a lot of things won't lend to you. You need those business connections. um, And that's largely not available for the communities harmed by the war on drugs. And so it's really just, as Michelle was saying, like giving people an opportunity to sort of break into this industry, um, as well as reinvesting in the communities that have been harmed by marijuana criminalization. Um, so I think like as New York is looking to legalize that me- legalize recreational marijuana, it's really important for us to sort of ask ourselves, like, what does this look like and how can we create something productive from this?
0: Right. It's it's really interesting also because I'm from California. So California legalized marijuana a couple years ago. I remember my freshman year uh, of university over in Southern California at Pitzer College. Um, There were large movements going around. Now I'm here in New York City, and I'm curious uh, what you guys think. Are there lessons that we can learn from California as New York City attempts to go in in this direction? We're also in this strange moment where you have to look at the past and history and look at all of these things that have happened with regard to cannabis. And then you have these present moment policy changes and the politics that you're working with. And then you're looking to create a future. So I'm wondering if you guys have any perspectives from other states that have gone through this and what you would like New York to look like or what are some key priorities that New York can uh, work to accomplish?
1: So what we have seen from uh, um, the passage of of legalization in other states is that if you don't incorporate these aspects of the policy that address social equity, that address reparations and reinvesting in communities that it's going to be really hard to to bring those policies in afterwards and that if you if legalization goes through sort of in in sort of the traditional way it's like okay it's legal now let's set up this industry as part of our capitalist system that it's going to get there's going to be a lot of momentum there and there's going to be a lot of money flowing in and the need to to really have these important pieces in policy at the moment of legalization, not just racial justice related policies, but also environmental justice related policies. Um, if, if we don't get them in now, we're gonna have a really hard time pushing them through later. And we're just gonna see the ongoing ongoing harms that, that um, can, cannabis criminalization, and that has happened in the past. We're gonna see those continuing into the present, there are still people in states where, le- where cannabis is legal that are still in prison for prior cannabis convictions. And that is just not acceptable. And so I think from our perspective in New York is that we really feel the sense of urgency that we need to get people to see the, how essential these aspects of the policies are at the moment of legalization and get people to support those policies or we're going to start on a road that we it's going to be really difficult to turn away from. And all the people who have power in the industry will not have any incentive to make those changes after
0: the fact. And, and yeah, actually, maybe we can expand on that. Because I, you guys recently had a an event uh, on the topic of expungement, seeking cannabis justice through expungement. So maybe you guys can talk uh, about the, the key topics that were discussed at that event.
2: For our first event, um, Seeking Cannabis Justice Through Expungement, it really was um, inspired by National Expungement Week, which is really a grassroots um, movement, national movement, dedicated to providing relief to the millions of Americans disenfranchised by their criminal records through um, sealing and clearing of convictions. One thing that was made clear is that in New York, expungement, which is like the total erasure of a criminal conviction, is not happening on a full scale. Um, Something that happened recently, which we're excited about, is that the expungement of um, simple possession crimes of two ounces or less has just been passed to be expunged in New York. But that still doesn't address people who um, who may have violent offenses or may have possession offenses of over two ounces. I mean, we need to make sure that we're rooting the new legalization laws and economic and racial justice. We need to make sure that there is a value of redemption that's applied to the way that we're looking at um, cannabis criminalization. A lot of that was highlighted um, in our event which we had um, a guest speaker, Michelle Fields Esquire, who is a cannabis writer and um, a criminal defense lawyer in the cannabis space. And she's really, um, you know, she even highlighted a case of, I believe, a 78 year old man um, in New York who was going to be evicted from his um, public housing because he was smoking marijuana even though he, it was deemed necessary for his medical condition. We need to make sure that we're thinking about all aspects of, um, you know, this war on drugs, um, responsible advancement of cannabis legalization. That was a lot of what was talked about in our um, first event, um, and just how we can move forward, push the needle on expungement so it's more inclusive, not just, you know two ounces or less but thinking about the bigger picture and what redemption really means for these communities
1: yeah and one of the things that um, that our that our wonderful speaker michelle fields discussed is that if we're going to get sort of intersectional policy changes that students and 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 community members who are interested in supporting this kind of change really need to get out of their spaces and go and talk to people who are exper- who have experienced um, the the negative side of these laws and policies and that it needs to be like a holistic change as Tosi was was saying that that we can't just change individual policies because the war on drugs was so extensive that the the tentacles, Reach out into every possible area, as we said, into housing, into healthcare, into education, and people have because of cannabis cr- criminalization, people have been denied a lot of um, basic social, basic resources that are provided by our society and advancement opportunities. And that, to the extent that we can, we can change that. It's not just going to be a change in the law. It needs to be a change in the way that we think about cannabis. Um, so. I mean, if someone who is legally allowed to smoke cannabis because of their medical condition is still getting evicted because of that situation, that we know that it doesn't matter like whether you're a, a well-behaved cannabis smoker who is following all the rules, that, that those kinds of distinctions don't really exist. Uh, and that uh, if, we, if we just move forward blindly into cannabis legalization, that none of these issues are gonna be fixed.
0: Yeah. It, it, it even sounds like it is a, it's a keystone issue. There are implications that extend into criminal justice, into racial inequality, into education, into business, uh, into just about every other sector that could come into my mind right now. So it's kind of interesting that the policies that get created need to address all of these different sectors just because of a, a change in legality of a consumable <laughs> like cannabis. Um, so I would like to hear maybe from Chris, you can touch on this, how public service leaders should be thinking about how to approach this problem. It's, it's a narrow topic within, with regard to cannabis, but it's a very broad topic with regard to its implications. So how can we, how can we think, how can you approach this? How can you think about this?
2: yeah
3: and so when i think about this um and i would just like to preface it when i'm considering cannabis policy i mainly consider it on a state level um in part because legalization is happening state by state but also because we know that the federal government like is very anti like the use of marijuana and that's probably not going to change anytime soon so when we think about like where these key decisions will be made it will be on like state or local levels um And I think like, as Michelle was saying, it really is a multi sort of faceted thing, right? So it's not just we legalize marijuana and kind of leave it there, but it is what happens to people who are currently in jail for convictions related to the use of marijuana. Um, One thing I think a lot about is just, again, like what are the barriers to getting involved in the marijuana industry and how can we remove those for sort of black and brown communities that have been harmed by the war on drugs? I think, Kyle, when you were mentioning sort of California, what policies have been implemented, um, in different cities in California, like Oakland and LA, they've tried to create these kind of social equity programs in which black and brown communities, in theory, would sort of get first dibs on a limited number of licenses to sell recreational marijuana. And those have, by far and large, not been successful. I think there've been a couple of barriers related to that. In LA, people were saying that one of the main barriers was that you had to navigate an online system, and also that specific application process in LA was race-blind, like they didn't ask you what your race was, and so people were saying, you know, how are you even guaranteeing that people who are applying um, and receiving these licenses are the people that this program is really intended for. Um, In Oakland, it was a little bit more equitable. There were some gains but a lot of people who applied had to wait a very long time to get a permit. And then there were issues with getting sort of financial backing in part because you can't really get a loan to start a marijuana business from a federal bank chain because of the federal government. Um, And so people were saying like, it's not even just giving us access to licenses, it's giving us the tools that we have to get the capital to finance this, to keep this running and to keep this into existence. Um, And so I think those are some things that really need to be considered is just, you know, not only is it what are we doing to legalize marijuana, but what are we doing to really give people the resources um, and access they need to become successful in this industry? Um, so I think those are some things that lawmakers really need to consider. It's a very—it's a lot to think about. It's a very sort of large and overarching policy. But unless that work is done up front, and unless people are really thinking about what it is that business owners will need to become successful with the rec- recreational sort of marijuana industry. My fear is that then the people who will really be profiting in New York when it gets legalized will be white owned corporations that have been planning for this for a while and have already been investing in this space. On October 21st, we're actually co-hosting an event with WAPA. The Wagner Advocacy and Political Action Group to discuss what the legalization fight is sort of shaping up to look like in New York State specifically, um, and then kind of comparing it with what's been passed in other states already, and then what it is that Wagner students can do to really advocate for a more equitable marijuana legalization policy. So we definitely look forward to kind of breaking down those issues a little bit more um, and then giving people sort of like concrete suggestions for pushing for a specific type of, like, marijuana legalization um, legislation that will most likely be up for vote within the New York State Assembly probably next year.
2: And one thing I wanted to just add to um, to what lawmakers need to be thinking about when they're creating these laws is, like, they really need to be speaking to the communities that were actually affected Um, You know, tapping in with these community organizations who are doing work on the ground, you know, maybe creating a focus group to really hear what the plights are of these people. I know um, the Drug Policy Alliance, they lead um, what is referred to as the Marijuana Justice Coalition, which is really, um, you know, a national coalition of um, advocacy organizations, That are um, joined forces to advocate for federal marijuana reform through a racial and economic justice lens. So tapping in with those groups, um, you know, really hearing what they have to say and implementing that into the policies is really
0: important. So one thing that's coming to mind is it really seems like an entire economy needs to get built around this, around cannabis. Entire infrastructure of an economy needs to get built around it. I'm wondering if there are any. Precedents that have happened in the past that provide interesting lessons for either how to or how not to build this economy. The obvious one that comes to mind is the legalization of alcohol. There's restrictions on various imported goods from around the world that we're allowed to import certain quantities in certain ways. So I'm wondering if there are any, to your guys' knowledge, if there are any other products that have various restrictions and infrastructure built around them um, that you think could be useful to apply to the growing cannabis industry and economy?
1: I would say to some extent that we could learn from the alcohol industry in terms of how, in terms of regulation, one of the issues that we face here is that because Cannabis has been on the like a, a scheduled drug. Is that we haven't been able to do a lot of research into the impact of, of cannabis on people's health, um, positive or negative. I mean, there, there's more happening as medical marijuana programs go, but a lot of the times these studies are not um, d- diverse and you don't see the, how there might be effects across different kinds of groups of people. And so there's still a lot of work that needs to be done there. Um, and so in terms of that sort of like health regulation aspect of alcohol and sort of it be i guess like being considered a vice in some extent that there's things that can be learned from that but marijuana is also medicine for for many people and so th- i mean there's a whole another side of that that cannot really be tied to the alcohol industry and then I honestly don't know if there's really any industry that could be compared in the sense that we have this history that we need to 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 address and to handle in the development of this economy. I can't off the top of my head think of a a good or product that has had such a uh, that the history of it in our country has been so devastating that we need to overcome, and that that is incorporated into this economy. I cannot personally think of anything that that shares that kind of history and that needs to be addressed in the same manner. And so I think there. I think that's one of the struggles of moving forward in a thoughtful and equitable way is that we don't necessarily have an existing roadmap the same way as other industries might um, and that this is the, as we've discussed this is an incredibly complex issue and so I think that it's possible that people feel overwhelmed by the extent to which building this cannabis economy in an, in a in an effective way would would require all this work and po- and policy considerations that um, people, people are, are probably more inclined to build the economy in a way that any other economy is built by relying on the structures of capitalism. And we know that that's not gonna help us with these other issues that we've discussed. Um, feel free to chime in, anyone.
3: I also think like a lot of the groundwork in terms of building up the cannabis economy, like that's really been laid out. Um, It's less an issue of like, how is this economy going to be built up? I think like people are putting in the work so that it gets up and running. Like once licenses can start being issued and it's more even kind of like what Michelle was mentioning, given that we know that like the structures currently set up by capitalism are not going to allow the communities most harmed by the war on drugs to succeed. Like what is it that needs to be in place to give people like the resource and access that they need to also sort of get into this market.
0: And it's not only what needs to be in place, but it's also how, how to get those things in place. And I suppose that's exactly where you guys come in. How do you mobilize to help influence the legislation that needs to get built to formulate this entire system in a way that represents the people that need to get represented? So you guys are on the front lines to, it sounds like to to create the economy and the industry and the livelihood that, we're talking about creating, I guess I just open it up. Are there any last thoughts that you guys want to add um, to our conversation? Um, any key takeaways that any listeners you think really should uh, be aware of um, or just any key themes that they should be aware of for the near future in terms of what they should be, what they should be reading or um, I'll turn it over to you guys. You can, I would love to hear you guys' final thoughts.
2: I guess I'll just jump in and say that I think, you know, a big piece of this, is really destigmatizing the cannabis plant. Um, this is a long history, which we've talked about a lot in this podcast. You know, I've even just remembering, you know, um, when Nixon was president, it had came out recently um, that an aide of his had said that this was actually a plan that they had put in place, saying, like, getting the public to associate. The hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily we can disrupt these communities like this was in 1968 our president actually saying this going on you know this is documented that this happened so we need to change the narrative around the war on drugs we need to bring in redemption as part of the conversation we need to realize that this is very tied to you know um disproportionate Um, law enforcement on marginalized communities like a lot of the civil and social unrest that we see happening in 2020 is very intrinsically tied to this war on drugs this horrible stigma taking away from you know the health benefits and other many ways in which cannabis the hemp plant can be useful for society um that is really really important that we get that education out there and begin to change people's minds because once that happens you're going to be tuned into what can come forth from this movement. Like, you're going to be tied to really wanting to see how this advances for a more responsible and equitable cannabis industry trajectory.
1: Yeah, I just want to add to that. Um, I was thinking the exact same thing. Normal, which is the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, just had its 50th anniversary. So this is not Fighting for, for cannabis legalization and fighting for it in a positive, equitable, justice-minded way is not new, and the, like organizations like them have done a lot of groundwork to address the issues of stigma surrounding cannabis, and there's a lot of evidence out there that people are beginning to change their minds about the cannabis plant some of that is tied to its medical, it's the, the um, expanding usage of it for medical purposes, but I don't think we'd be where we are approaching legalization if a lot of that work hadn't already happened. Um, so we are on the front lines, but, but I, want, I definitely think it's important to recognize all of the work that's been put in to, to push discourse to where it is, and we still have so far to go um, in, that, in that area. I'd also like to add that, um, as Chris mentioned earlier, we do expect legalization to be something that is in the budget coming up, mainly because the tax revenue opportunity there during this time of crisis is um, is enormous, and uh, we so there's a sense of urgency here, at least in New York State, that we need to make sure that our uh, policy, our leaders and our policymakers are are Focusing their energies toward a policy that includes all these different aspects um, of social and economic and racial justice and that we've discussed. And uh, um, we're not so sure that they're there yet. And so we definitely, there should be a sense of urgency out there that if people care about this, uh, that they need to really mobilize and get involved. New Jersey actually has it on there as a ballot initiative for this upcoming election. so this is very, this is happening right now. Uh, and so this is not really something that people can wait on. Uh, and it's a really good way to get involved. Uh, as we said, there's. it's a very intersectional issue. So there's a space for anybody with any kind of interest really in any area of public policy in this cannabis fight.
3: Yeah, and again, I think that Michelle and Tosi like, really touched on everything, so I don't know how much more have to add other than um as michelle was highlighting kind of as i said before i think this is an issue that's going to become more topical um starting in 2021 and as cuomo's looking around the budget and how he's going to bring in state revenue and we know that he needs to because we know that like new york is losing money fast um and i don't think that the federal government like personally is going to be bailing us out anytime soon so we know that if cannabis legalization is a priority um For Cuomo and probably other lawmakers, their only goal will be like, how can they maximize money towards New York State? And so I think a lot of what people are doing, um, some of the advocates that even Michelle and Tosi have mentioned is that it's not like, how can we put pressure on Cuomo and other state legislatures to understand that the criminalization of marijuana, specifically in New York State, has really harmed people and is continuing to actively harm harm people, like there needs to be some sort of reckoning with that injustice and then some sort of acknowledgement that like we have to make that right and there have to be very specific provisions in the legislation that begins to repair some of the harm um, caused by the war on drugs. It's never going to fix all of it, like that's already been done, but what can we do moving forward to begin to repair sort of those wrongs and those injustices? Yeah, I think a lot of states have not done that. And I think we've kind of seen that with how legalization has happened. And I would really hope that New York would take this opportunity to really put forth something a little bit more intentional that could lead to some more equity
2: within the space. Also wanted to add um, that for people who are looking to just get some information on things that are happening in New York right now, it would be really good to look at the MRTA. Um, which is the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act. Um, Really, New York's marijuana legalization bill right now. Um, And it's really, you know, really focuses on community investment, um, the fight where tax revenue is going to be directed, making sure that, um, you know, this is at the center of our rebuilding effort in New York. And also just taking a look at um, Start Mark Coalition in New York, who is also just really, bringing advocacy groups together to make sure that this is rooted in economic and racial justice. Um, And then also um, a more progressive, um, you know, push in the marijuana legalization space is Clean Slate. You know, they have an initiative happening in New York right now, which is really pushing forth that redemption piece, getting people to change their minds on like, who is actually eligible to receive these alleviation of barriers that we're working for? Um, you know, they're pushing the needle on like who should actually be included in that, whether it is actually like violent offenders, whatever that means, because that's such a broad term, right? Um, so just kind of giving you guys some nuggets to take a look at if you want to just get some tangible items of what's happening in the space right now. Also wanted to tell you all to. Um, check out our Instagram page to stay updated with what's happening with the NYU um, Canna Policy group. It is um, at NYU underscore Canna Policy. Um, Again, that is on Instagram. It's at NYU underscore underscore, um, Canna Policy. So we hope to see you all, um, you know, follow us and stay updated with our events they are open now that things are virtual. So we're really excited about being able to reach more people than we would typically in the um, school year. So please stay tuned.
0: Okay, then that will do it for the Canna Policy student group. Thank you for joining us on the NYU Wagner podcast series. Very interesting conversation. And yeah, thanks again for joining. Thank you
2: so much.